children hitting out there at Children's Church. Thank you for being with us this morning. Uh, summer is definitely here, and I uh, hope you're enjoying this great weather that we've having. First of all, I want to uh, thank all our teens that helped out yesterday. Uh, what a blessing it was. We had a rent-a-kid yesterday. If you missed out on that, you missed out on a good thing. Uh, I know my team uh, worked feverishly and uh, hard and in the hot heat, didn't complain. One I owed it, kept asking, what else can I do? And I just rejoice and say, hallelujah, amen? There is hope for our generation yet, amen? <laughs> uh, what a blessing. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Acts. The book of Acts, we're going to continue our series on, amen? Acts chapter 2. As we look into the Word of God today, uh, we're continuing our series on what is Christianity. Uh, last week we talked about the origin of Christianity, how important it is that you have the right foundation. And if you don't have the right foundation, everything else is going to be a mess in your life. And one of the things we saw last week, that the foundation is none other than what Jesus Christ did and what Jesus Christ taught. And it's imperative that you and I understand and know that because Everything about Christianity stands or falls on one person, Jesus Christ. I can tell you in this church, we'll always uh, boast about Jesus Christ because he is the center, he is the foundation, he is everything. Amen? Today, we're going to take our second step in this process called the organism of our faith. In Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 41, it says, So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had received were together and had all things in common, and they began to sell, selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. May God bless the reading of his holy and precious word. As we look into the word of God today, I want to ask this question today. Can you be a born-again believer and not be a churchgoer? Can you be a born-again believer and not a churchgoer? I know I've interested your thoughts at this point because I want to deal with that question today. Because I believe that God has an answer. It is not what I say, it's what the Bible reveals to us. And so we need to look and examine. Paul often told uh, his, his children in the faith, test yourself to see if you're in the faith. I believe as we look at our text this morning, we see a, what a picture of what it means to be born again. It's a picture of what it means to be born again. The first thing that you see that I want to just uh, launch out here today is this, is there was a separation. You saw that they had received the word and something happened to them. They were baptized and then they were added to the church. Now, this is important because it's, it's imperative that you understand. There, first of all, becomes this, when you become a born-again believer, there's a separation from the world. 
a separation from the world. Now, what does that mean? Sometimes I hear people think that has this idea that you're to separate yourself and be a monk, go up into the mountains and just separate yourself. No, that's not what it means. God, when he speaks of separation, we're to be apart. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. Separation means this. It means separation from what they had been before coming to Christ. You see, every time I'm born again, when I come to Jesus Christ 28 years ago, I'm here to tell you I I had to separate myself from that old lifestyle. I repented of my sin and was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and not only in the Holy Spirit, but I was also baptized in water just like we had to last week get baptized. Why? They are identifying themselves as they are separating from the world and now they're going to be steadfastly coming together with God's people. And so there's a separation, first of all. Then there's a steadfastness of coming together constantly. I remember a Sunday school teacher uh, shared this one time. She was asking her, her small students, I guess they were 10, 11 years of age, maybe 13, I can't remember exactly. They're older than 10, I know that. But they asked this question. If you were to describe your family, what would be a word that you would use to describe your family? And, and of course, the, <laughs> there, there was many different words that were shared concerning what your family, uh, how you would define your family. And one that really stuck out to me was this, is that this person, this teacher said, this student told her that the, the definition I would give of my family was together. And she said of all the answers that, that they shared with her, all the, the words that they shared with her, that one really stuck out to her because she began to share, well, what does that really mean? It means that we are together. We are really together. And you know, I, I thought about that as I think about today. I believe if you were to describe and define the church, what it really is, is togetherness. It's togetherness. And one of the things that you're going to see in the early church in Acts chapter 2, we see this is the picture, this is the first church. God has breathed the Holy Spirit upon the church. Peter has now proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ, that though our sins are scarlet, Jesus Christ has washed him as white as snow. He has come to be your sin bearer. He's come to be your Savior. He's come to be your Lord. And he wants you to know that apart from him, you can do nothing. But with him, you can do all things through Christ. Now, as, as they understood and heard this, that he died for them, three days later he was raised from the dead for them, it excited them, it convicted them, it created a sense of courage in them, and most of all, it created a change in them. And one of the things that, that is often missed today, I believe, in this whole discussion about being born again, whether you're God's child or a Christian or not, is this idea that we can receive Christ and nothing changes in our life. That is contradictory to the Word of God. The Bible tells us that when you come to Christ, He transforms you and He is transforming you. He redeems you, He reconciles you, and then He anoints you with the Holy Spirit to empower you to live a life that you couldn't live before. 
So as we see today, what is Christianity? What is a picture of the church? What does the living, true church really look like? Well, here's some characteristics I want you to see. The first of all that you see here, that they come and they came together regularly. They came together regularly. You see, when you have new life, it expresses itself. Amen? When you have new life, it expresses itself. Just like when a, 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 a baby is born, what's the first thing that you want to hear from that baby when it comes from a mother's womb? Yeah, the cry. Because why? That cry expresses what? There's life. There's life. And so it is when those who have been born again. And see, when it expresses itself through your life, through my life, through all of our lives. Now Luke is giving us not only a historical account of what Christianity in the early church is all about, but he's also giving us a picture of what the church is to conform to. Note that they received the word and then they joined the church and watch this, and continued and continued and continued and continued in the church. In verse 42, it says this, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. Now watch this, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Now, I had a guy share with me one day, said this, I believe... I can be a Christian and not be that church-going type. I said, well, that sounds interesting. Where did you get that? Oh, I believe that. Because, matter of fact, I am better than those who go to church. I'm not going to question that. That may be a case there. But are we basing it on what you think and your standards or are you basing it upon what the Word of God says and what the Word of God teaches? The Word of God teaches that they continued in the church. They continued day by day. So I ask you, can such a man, can such a man or such a woman be a Christian? Now I know what you're going to say. I know some objections because I hear this all the time. Well, what about the thief on the cross? You're right. What about him? He received Christ. I promise you, if that guy could have gotten down off that cross and been able to join the church, he would have. Why do I say that? Because it shows us, those in the early church, what Christianity was all about. Now, I know, here's another objection that's always thrown to me, and I gladly receive it as well. What about those who are really sick who just can't come? God's grace is for that as well. You see, you can come up with any kind of objection, but the standard and the pattern, and that's what you must go by, there's many different objections you can throw at this, but you must understand that as being a true Christian and being a born-again Christian, according to the book of Acts, 
The test is this, whether you are a Christian is to ask, do you want to come together with other Christians? Do you want to come together with other Christians? If you do not desire to come together with other Christians, then you are not a Christian. Well, you may not like me after today, but that's okay. I am one, I got to stand before God. And I am doing everything I know how to accurately give you the word of God. My desire today before I come in here was God, give courage, give conviction, but oh God, give us change. Give us change. We need that. And I know I can't make that happen. I can't cause you to be born again uh, more than I can turn this building into something. You see, God's the only one that can do that. Now, why do I say that? Because the first church demonstrates what it looks like for those who have been born again. Note with me, they continually, regularly, constantly came together with God's people. Let me tell you something about God's life. Divine life draws people together who have this life. You see, divine life draws people together who have this life. Men and women who never attend a place of worship are by definition not Christians. Why? Because they are revealing that they do not have God's life in them. Because those who have God's life are going to be with those who have God's life. If you don't want to be with those who have God's life, then you need to examine your faith. You need to examine your faith. I don't care who you are in this church, whether you're singing up here, playing up here, or whether you're an elder out here, a deacon or anything. I want you to understand, you need to examine yourself by the Word of God. Now let me examine these. Not only those who never attend, but how about those who go to church occasionally? We call them doubtful Christians. Well, my question and answer, if the Word of God says... They continually, regularly, constantly come together. Can you fit that into what we read in the book of Acts? You can't. You can't. Hear my heart and hear the heart of God. Then you have those who go to church as a status symbol. Uh, I mean, I, I know a I know a specific situation, not in this church, but I know a specific situation. I was a part of a church. This particular family left this church to go to another so-called church in our area that was bigger and better and supposedly was a status symbol, and so therefore they joined that church because after all, I want to be included in the church or whatever that is. You see, as a preacher of the gospel, preachers are not concerned with gathering a congregation. Preachers are concerned with saving souls. Saving souls. You see, that's what God called us. You see, he told the early church as they were waiting on the Holy Spirit of God, the power of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, not so that you can be an advocate of the gospel, that you would be witnesses of the gospel. 
And you see, everywhere we go, we should be witnessing about the gospel in our attitudes, in our appetites, and in our actions. In our homes, it ought to be the beginning place where the gospel is lived out, where grace is taught, where grace is learned, and grace is lived out, where love unconditionally is beginning to be experienced. That's where it starts, in the home. And it starts with new life. When you have new life, things change. It doesn't mean you're perfect. We all miss the mark. We all have those moments where, hey, I don't feel like coming to church today. We've all felt that way. Hey, even your pastor has felt that way. How about that? Yeah. But as I often tell, share with my son, early on I was trying to teach him how important it was to do things that are right, whether you feel like it or not. He said, I don't feel like taking out the trash today. I said, well, that's okay. Do it and you'll feel better. And that's how I figured out, even in those days, that I don't feel like getting out of bed and going to church. I do it anyway. Because watch this, my feelings are not the controlling factor of my life. What should be controlling my life is my faith. And faith has nothing to do with our feelings. It's a choice. You have to choose to do the right thing. You have to choose to honor God. You have to choose to regularly attend. So we see that the first characteristics of a born-again believer is they regularly come together. Second is this. In this text, I see this. They came together willingly. This is so good. They willingly and gladly come together. Now watch this. The attitude of the early church was not this. Oh, I got to go to church today. Oh, bless God. No, they wanted to go. The Bible says over and over again in Acts chapter 2, they gladly went to the house of the Lord. They gladly and with sincerity of heart, praising God, couldn't wait to get together. Couldn't wait. They willingly, they gladly went to worship. If you do not so, if you do not go gladly to Christian meetings, are you a Christian at all? You see, one of the things that changed in my life and hopefully it's changed in your life is the joy of the Lord becomes your strength. I mean, when you come to Christ, listen, all hell can be breaking loose in your life and it happens in all of our lives. We go through heartaches and difficulties and, and things of that nature. But what should be controlling in our life is the joy that God has given to us. That this is not our home, church. This is not our home. I have to shout that over and over again because unfortunately the church has become so uh, bogged down and rooted down into this life that we can't see Christianity. We can't see Christ and what he's doing in our world. And we're, we're walking around with our heads down and beating ourselves up and everybody else saying, oh, woe is me. The world is going to hell in a handbasket. Listen, we ought to be rejoicing that God has called you, God has called me, God has called us all to reach those with a joy that can change their life. True Christians, one of the things I've found over the years, and I've had to learn this the hard way, you don't have to round them up 
true Christians, you don't have to round them up. You don't have to keep watch over them and say accusingly, you were not here last week. No, they steadfastly continued coming. You see, to meet together was the greatest joy in those young Christians' lives. Listen, you couldn't keep them apart. You couldn't. They wanted to be there. They looked forward to being there. So I ask you. Somebody twist your arm and get you here tonight? <laughs> Maybe so. That's okay. I'm glad you're here. See, God's wanting us to be set free. You see, one of the things I found in my walk with God, the first thing he did was this. He changed my want to. He changed my want to. I, I didn't want to go to church before, but now I want to. Listen, I didn't want to do nothing but sin before. Now I don't want to. You see, now before I, I, I could care less about Christ. Now all I want to do is talk about Christ. You see, he changes your want to. I, I didn't want to give up my money. <clears throat> but he changed my want to, that I want to give and, and give and give. Why? Because he changed my want to. It is God who works in you the will and the desire to do his will. Has he done that for you? Do you willingly come? Or is it just a check mark? You check your box. You've done your Christian duty today. God says the early church, the picture of the early church is they regularly come together. They willingly come together. Here's the third aspect that I saw in this text is this. They came together in their diversity. Oh, I love this. I want you to see this. because This, this tickles me because in verse 9, 10 and 11 in chapter 2, it says, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Pharsia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. Now those were the people who heard the good news of the gospel. They received the word, and they were all baptized. It's amazing what took place incredible thing that took place. All of these different nationalities, different classes in society, some were employees, some were employers, some were blue collar, some were white collar, some were educated, some were uneducated, some had different temperaments, different backgrounds, different abilities. That's the church. And you see, that, that was one of the things I, I wrote in our pamphlet about information about us under Relationally Connected. We desire our fellowship to be like a taste of heaven. A church built like heaven combines many races, ages, and social backgrounds, demonstrating the unity and diversity of the family of God. Now, think about it. Just look around our church. One of the things that I love about what God's doing, at the inception of this church, when God was calling me to start a church, I began to pray, God, I want a diverse 
church. I want a church that's going to look like heaven one day. There's going to be many classes, many creeds, many colors. Look around our church. It's amazing to me. I mean, we've got blonde hair. We've got brown hair. We've got black hair. We've got some who want hair. And we, we've got people who are educated. And we've got people who are uneducated. I, I mean, we've got them all. Amen? And the more I grow, the more I'm wanting hair. I can tell you. See, God, this is what's so beautiful about what God's doing in freedom. I love it because he is putting together a group of people that are diverse from all kinds of backgrounds, abilities, classes, and colors, and creeds. And it's exciting to me because only God can do that. Just like the early church. I'm mindful that in 1 Corinthians 1, he says, Consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. You know what happens when people read that verse many times? We leave out God has not chose many. He didn't say he hadn't chosen noble, strong people, uh, people who have education, who have, who have status in life. He says there's not many because it takes a humility to receive Christ. And one of the beautiful things that you find is the early church was they were a diverse group. The church should be a diverse group. It should be. Now, I know it's hard, and it's something only God can do, and that's why I pray for that. I'm tired of seeing what man can do. I'm through with that. Man can build tall buildings and, and, and watch this, can, can create congregations of people and followings like none other. It's amazing what man can do. But listen, I'm mindful as I think of the early church and I think of the church when Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation says, you can have all these thousands upon thousands of people, and we're praying, and that's what God does, for his will to be done here. However, mean, however many, that's up to him. But I'm mindful of a church in the book of Revelation. He said this, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. I don't want to be that kind of church whether it's five or 5,000, 50 or 50,000. We want to be a church like God has called us to be at Freedom Bible Church. Now, we can't put that on everybody else. We have to let God do what only God can do. But I know one thing. My heart is to see and just bless and say, thank you, God, for what you have done and what you are doing. Because he is bringing together a diverse group of people, watch this, with different nationalities, uh, different personalities, different temperaments, different colors. And you know what I love about it? It's just like God. You know, you don't think about your pastor, if you didn't know this already, I love color. I do. I, I do. Because you know why? Because God created it. I tell my wife that over and over again. She tells me, honey, you really need to dial back a little bit. God 
looks to us to say, are we truly born again? He knows where we are. He's asking you today, do you truly know him? Now, why were they so together? That was a question I asked myself. Why was this group so together? I mean, they were day by day meeting together. I mean, they, they couldn't get enough of each other. They were so in love with the Lord and so in love with each other because of what the Lord had done for them. Man, it, it changed them. Why would this diverse group willingly and regularly meet together? Because of their common faith, which gave them their new identity. Watch this. They're the same family. They had the same life. Oh, I love that. See, when God puts you into the family, we're all one. Amen? We're all one. Hey, listen. You know what makes us one? Our faith. And hey, we're the family of God. Listen, this is just a small portion of the family of God throughout the world. I don't know how God's going to do it in the end because I have a hard time understanding different languages. Just like they have a hard, hard time understanding my language. But there's coming a day there's going to be one language in heaven that we all speak. Amen. And I, and I thank God that there will be no more misunderstanding. We're going to be there together as one family. And watch this, because we have one life. You know what the life is? The life of the Spirit of God, the new divine nature that He gives to us through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Let me ask you this morning, do you have this new life? Are you truly born again? Test yourself against what the book of Acts and other scriptures teach us. Examine yourself to see if you be in the faith. Don't just rely upon what you think or what you feel. I encourage you to know what the Bible teaches, that you can know that you have eternal life. 1 John 5, 13, John said this, These things have been written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. I encourage you. I plead with you, turn to Jesus, receive him as your personal Lord and Savior, call upon his name, and he will forgive you and make you a child of God. I can't make you do anything, but I can tell you this much. All I can do here today is just persuade you to receive Christ. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today, he's convicting you today, don't leave here without him. Just simply admit, God, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior, and Jesus Christ has come. He's lived a sinless, perfect life. He died a sinner's death. He died in my place to take upon my sins, and three days later, he was raised from the dead. I simply believe in that truth. He'll begin a relationship in me and change me forever. So my prayer is that you will respond to the Lord. Now, those of you that are born-again Christians, examine yourselves. Are you continuing? Are you continuing meeting together? Are you coming together at Bible studies? Are you coming together at worship time? I encourage you, examine yourself. 
God's calling us to himself. And when you find life in him, listen, he makes everything a whole lot easier. Amen? Father, in Jesus' name, we turn to you now to say thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. May your Holy Spirit work this morning in your own supernatural way. God, may you bring conviction and courage to change and, and Lord, ultimately to transform us to be the men and women, the boys and girls that you desire us to be. Thank you, Father, for your Son, Jesus Christ, who's done everything to provide the way for us. Lord, let us examine ourselves and see, have I surrendered all to you? Have I truly put my faith in you? May this be the day that someone receives you and experiences your life, your new life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The altar is going to